Ghosts of Arizona Week continues as we take a look at two schools in Arizona that are currently haunted. But these ghosts don't walk around rattling chains. These ghosts remind us that practice makes perfect. And then we travel to Kamloops, British Columbia to take a look at two buddies who are spending a nice quiet evening fishing. But that quietness is broken when the lake is invaded by thousands of ducks. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Gardner. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and slide right into this. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Everyone give a nice, warm round of applause for fellow content creator. Yeah, woohoo! Come on in, buddy. Come on in. He's been a longtime supporter of the show. Fellow content creator, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't swear the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. Now, fellow, let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to fly all the way out to the sunny state of Arizona. Fellow content creator, let's go ahead and glide in front of Hayden High School. We're going to land, make a nice little soft landing here. We're in Gila County, Arizona, and we're at Hayden High School, the home of the fighting Gila monsters. I don't know if that's actually their mascot, but it should be. That'd be dope. <laughs> if one of their players bites you, you slowly die from their poisonous saliva. At Hayden High School, we actually have two ghosts at this school. So the first thing we got to do is we got to suit up. We're getting ready to play in the big game. You didn't know that? We're actually going to play high school football right now. Get on your gear. And we are headed out to the field. We're like throwing footballs back and forth. I don't know anything. I barely know anything about football. I shouldn't say I don't know anything. I know it involves feet. The throwing footballs back and forth. The referee's like, no, there's not supposed to be one football on the field, you buffoons. What? You're not even one of the teams. You're a bunch of adults running around in football uniforms. Ah, we tackle the referee. We're like, this is how we play. Uh, beating up the referee. After, after we all do time in the local jail for assault and battery, we show back up at the football field, and now it's empty. There's no fans in the stands. Just an empty football field. And that's where, this is where the story should have started because this is how the haunting is. Apparently, at Hayden High School, you show up late at night. It's so creepy to me. This type of haunting is so creepy to me. If you show up late at night at the Hayden High School football field, sometimes, not all the time, you'll see a football dude all alone on the field running. And he has his little football. His cleats are digging into the soil. We see him run, and then he gets to a certain point in the field, and then he falls down. Just disappears. Now, apparently, the back, this is what I find so... I wasn't able to find any news articles to back any of this stuff up. But what I find so fascinating about this is we have this ghostly phenomenon, and the question is... How did how did this ghost appear? What is this? Now, the supposedly the story, the supposedly the story that sets us up is at one time there was a football player on the football field during a game, 
And he was tackled so viciously, he got his neck snapped. And he died shortly afterwards. And what you're seeing is that event play out over and over. Creepy, creepy haunting, right? One, you're out. We talk about liminal space a lot nowadays. The back rooms and that whole thing. But there's also something just genuinely creepy about an empty arena. An empty field. Because all that energy, all that psychic and physical energy constantly smashing against each other every weekend. And you have these fans screaming on both sides. And all of this energy is infusing the players on the field and getting everyone psyched up. And this is what it was built for. These are ancient rituals. And then when it's empty at night, there is an eeriness to it. It's the same thing as if you go into a church all alone late at night or a library alone late at night. These places are constantly being infused with energy and there is a bizarre feeling when you're there by yourself. And this would be the perfect place for a haunting, really, because you have so much intense energy going on there. I had a really good friend who was in, I had a bunch of friends in football in high school. And I thought it was so interesting because the the dynamic between myself and them, I always was an artist. I was always writing or performing in plays, things like that. And for the artist, my future was always ahead of me. I would always say, well, there's no great novelist who writes before the age of 30, so I don't, it's, I don't really need to write now. I can just do whatever I want. And that's how the artist looks. They look ahead. And at the, even at the time I realized this, I thought this was super interesting. Uh, I had a, a good friend of mine who was a really, really good football player, Nick. I remember when he played his last game of high school football. And he cried afterwards. He cried. Because he knew, unlike me as an artist, knowing, well, you know, someday I'll do this. Someday I'll write this novel. Sometime, someday I'll write this screenplay. He knew that was the end of it now, forever. It was gone. This was the last time he would ever play competitive football. He knew he wasn't going to play in college. He knew he wasn't good enough to play in college. He knew he never would go pro. This would be the last time that it would be an organized football game in a football field. And it's interesting because people, physical fitness, physical sports are all, they're front-loaded. You have to do all the stuff as early as possible. You can't be 30 years old and go, ah, you know, I think I'll join the Bolshoi Ballet. I've never done it before, but I, I'm sure, you know, about six weeks of training. No, you can learn how to write a novel in six weeks. You can be 42 and write your first book. You can't be 42 and play your first game of competitive football. Like, organized football. I'm not talking about your local football, touch football, or whatever. It's fascinating to watch that difference between my dreams and his. That was the night he knew he would never play football again. Unless he was playing with the buddies, you know, tossing the old pigskin back and forth. Very, very interesting. And I'd never seen that before. And then I go, oh, well, that's... There's a different, you know what I mean? There's a different energy to that. And, and that's why being out there and watching this ghost try to re try to make it to the end zone, right? But he can't. He died. And he didn't die on the field. He died later, probably like in a hospital or something. I don't think they just took him up to the stands and just had him sit there and die. So his ghost would have returned to that area. And as a, as a paranormal investigator, we would classify this as a recording. Right? It's an image that had been recorded in time. His own soul may be somewhere else in the afterlife. But this psychic imprint left 
such a mark on the area that it's still there. Fascinating ghost story. Now it's time to go into the gym. This next haunting is also recorded to be at Hayden High School. And again, I looked for any sort of historical newspaper article on this. Couldn't find anything. Now, part of it could be because it's urban legend. Part of it could be that the hauntings exist. This is what's interesting about ghosts. Because we see this happen all the time. The haunting itself exists. The backstory is made up. Or not necessarily made up, but misinterpreted or misremembered. It's very common. You'll have a ghost at a place and a medium shows up and says, Oh, well, this farmhand died in this area, like the haunted Toys R Us in Sunnyvale or Sunnydale or wherever in California. There was like a farm, if I remember correctly, it was years and years and years ago. I remember the story totally terrifying me. I think it might have even been on Unsolved Mysteries. Like a farmhand died in this area, and now they built a Toys R Us on top of it, and his ghost is kind of walking around the Toys R Us, and little bicycles are riding down the aisles late at night. The haunting itself was real. Was that backstory real? Who knows? That was one medium who came out and said, this is the impression I got. But we don't know. We don't know. And this could be a phantom of a ghost falling down and breaking its neck. Or it could just be a ghost of a guy always trying to make that final play. And he got stopped at that goal line and got knocked down or whatever. And the other team won. And that was enough to build the psychic energy up. That's the interesting thing about ghosts. Sometimes the phenomenon is real, but the backstory is made up. But I'm just saying that again because I was trying to look for players getting killed in Hayden High School. (laughs) I did not have the most relaxing weekend. This next story is along the same lines. Apparently in 1988 or 1989, around that time period, there was a beautiful high school senior. She was everyone's favorite because she was the most popular girl in school and she was on the cheerleading team and she was just so beautiful that the world was just opening up before her some versions of the story she had just gotten a job to be a professional cheerleader for the nfl and other versions of the story say she wasn't going to be a cheerleader but she was going to be a model she was going to be an international superstar a beauty on the runway, a beauty in the pages of magazines, or just the most beautiful professional cheerleader. She was about to have all of her dreams come true. But before all of that could happen, she was at school and she was smoking weed in the parking lot late at night. Now, 19 now and nowadays, you're like, okay, well, who cares? A model smoking weed? Who cares? 1988, 1989, obviously highly illegal. Couldn't have marijuana. And the police roll up. And they catch her, and I assume catch other people as well smoking this weed. And during the whole processing thing where the police are saying, well, we're going to have to take you downtown and stuff like that, she realizes that she'll never achieve the dreams that the whole world had told her she would. Right? She was always, oh, you're so beautiful, and the world will just kind of fall at your feet. And she saw the world falling at her feet, but now... 1988, getting caught with marijuana, it would it would definitely end her time on the cheerleading team in the high school. She would have been gone and most likely would have ended her career as a professional cheerleader as well. She asked the police officers, hey, can I go back to my car and grab something? And police officers, you know, what could possibly go wrong? This young high school girl, what's she going to do? Get in the car, drive away from us. You know, she's she's a good girl. Yeah, she's smoking weed, so we got to do our job. But yeah, so they let her walk over to where her car is parked. And then they hear a 
She had a gun in her car, because it is Arizona, right? I'm probably sure most people had a gun in their cars, especially back then. She had a gun in her car, and she shot herself in her own car in that parking lot. People say, to this day, sometimes when you're in the gym, apparently this young lady, her ghost is now sighted in the gymnasium at Hayden High School. Some people say you can hear the sounds of her shoes against the court. Right, You can hear the sound of someone practicing a cheerleading routine. You'll hear the sounds of her shoes. And you'll hear a faint voice. Go Gila Monsters. And because throughout the area, right, there's stories of this haunted gymnasium. Once they had a softball competition at the Hayden High School. And one of the visiting teams said, hey, you know what? Let's stay the night in the gymnasium. We all heard that it was haunted. That would be really fun. We'll stay there all night long. And apparently this group of softball players were there. And late, in, they heard the stories about you can hear the faint sounds of cheerleading. You can hear the sound of the shoes squeaking on the floor. One night they're all there really late at night. And off in the corner of the gymnasium, a full body apparition of a cheerleader appeared. And she began doing a full cheerleading routine. Her eyes focused. Her muscles tight as she performs maneuver after maneuver after maneuver of this cheerleading routine. And the softball team just watched this phantom practice this over and over again until once the routine was done, the phantom vanished. What she couldn't achieve in life, you know, finishing her high school career, she is attempting to achieve in death. Again, this might just be a recording, right? This was when she was the most happy, was doing these routines in the gymnasium, practicing. It could just be an after image of this young woman who did die. It could also just be a psychic residue of a cheerleader doing this routine over and over again, trying to nail it. And the story made up about the suicide was made up. You know, it could have been attached to it. But I got one more ghost story for you. If you're, if you're tired of hearing about dead teenagers, this one is not an afterimage. This ghost story has far more sinister implications for what the afterlife may hold. We're going to leave Hayden High School. We're headed to Mesa, Arizona. And we're going to stop by Powell Junior High School. There's a lot of stories when you look up. This is one of the... So Powell Junior High doesn't exist anymore. They've turned it into like a community center. But when Powell Junior High did exist, it had a lot of stories about the locker rooms being haunted. But we're going to look at something outside the school grounds, really right outside the school grounds. Powell Junior High was built in 1971. And apparently, according to the Shadowlands.net, a young girl one day was taking swimming lessons at Powell Junior High. And after swim practice, she was headed home. So she leaves the building and she begins crossing the street. And right now we're on 8th Street in Extension. If you, if you want to experiment with this, you can, though. Let me finish the story before you get all your buddies on the car. This young girl is leaving Powell Junior High to walk home. And as she is crossing the street, a car slams into her. And kills her instantly. She dies on the street right there. Apparently every bone broken in her body. That's how savage this car impacted this little girl. And people say that to this day. You can sometimes see the image of this girl. 
trying to cross the street. But as this girl gets closer to the middle of the street, she starts to disappear. She starts to fade away. As she's getting to the location of where the car hit her, she's translucent. She's beginning to just disappear. But you can hear her cry out in pain, in agony, and sadness. You can hear her voice scream out, I just want to go home. Apparition disappears. See, I don't think that's a recording. I don't think that is an after image. I think that is the spirit of this little girl trying to... <laughs> my remaining two listeners, my remaining two listeners are like, oh, this is super depressing. I think this little girl is trying to get home and she can't get past the point where she died. And her saying that, I just want to go home is, it is a, she's saying that now. She sees home as this impossibly far destination, and she's been trying to cross the street now for decades. Just want to go home. And it's interesting, this is the type of ghost that you, I believe you probably could interact with. I think that is her consciousness in some way stuck in that loop. But how you, I think this would be, you know, people say, you know, try to get the spirits to cross over. That seems like this would be a prime candidate for that thing. It is in the the middle of traffic. I don't recommend you guys sitting there trying to hold a seance as cars are flying by you. You might just add to the ghost population. What's interesting about this story, and again, one of the things I like to do is to do more reporting than just reading the ghost information. On Shadowlands.net, they do get some key details wrong. They said the school was built in the 1950s. That's not true. And they said this story took place on First Street. But that's not true either. The school is not in that location. So just throwing that out there, because I know a lot of you guys like to go research this stuff as well. I had to kind of piece together the date that the school is actually open. But as far as <laughs> forgetting those factual issues, forgetting those factual problems with the story, this would be a prime candidate to try to contact this ghost and try to get this spirit to move on. And to me, this is scary. Like the, the cheerleader doing the routine, that's fascinating. It could just be an after image, a recording, same thing with a football player. I don't think the football player is thinking, well, if I can just get to the end zone, then I'll be fine. Then my ghost will go on. I think it might just be an afterimage. But I think this little girl is stuck here. She's trying to get home. But in this case, she's trying to get... She needs to stop thinking about trying to get home and trying to get into the afterlife, trying to reach paradise. But she's still finding herself stuck in that earthly prison, walking across the street that she will never fully cross. You know, I don't have time to do the Duck Lake segment. That one takes a long time. It's a really, really interesting one. I've been saving it for a while. I'm not going to have time to do that one this session. But let's go ahead. Fellow content creator, let's go ahead and toss you the keys for the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Arizona. We'll be back <laughs> We'll be back later this week because I got some more cool, weird... The next one is when ghosts go weird. Some really bizarre hauntings. I don't even know if you could call it that. Just some weird weirdness going on in Arizona. Let's all hop in the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Arizona. We're headed all the way out to a bird nest. <laughs>
This story was sent to me by Patreon supporter Zachary McCree. So thank you so much for sending this over. Quite a bizarre story. Technically, it's a fable, but it has real-world implications. This was written by a fellow named Nick Bostrom, and some of you guys will recognize that name so you'll know where it's going. But for the rest of you dudes, let's go ahead and we are sitting in the sparrow's nest. We're not human-sized, we're tiny little sparrow-sized people because we're here for a meeting. The sparrows are having a meeting. And what happens is, one day these sparrows are sitting there and they realize it's nest building season. This nest they're in, it's kind of junky looking. It's like half complete. There's just like a little bit of twigs and some string. And a couple of sparrows are falling out during this meeting. They're like, listen, we really got to finish this nest. However, it sucks. Nest building is really hard. It's To do all this manual labor sucks. What if, one of the sparrows says, what if we could have an owl build our nest? The sparrows are like, what are you talking about, dude? Owls would like totally eat us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A normal owl, like a big giant owl, would probably grab us right out of the nest, bite our heads off one by one. But what if we could raise an owl? What if we could find an owl egg, and when the owl pops out, we're all standing around, and he thinks that we're the parents? And we raise this owl to do our bidding. And everyone's like, oh, that does sound like a great idea. You could have this big owl building all of our nests. And then another sparrow goes, yeah, not only that can we have him build our nest, he'll protect us. When a neighborhood cat is trying to eat one of us, our pet owl will scare the cat away. So it won't just help us do this manual labor, it'll actually be a security force. All the sparrows are like, this is a great idea. How come we never thought about this before? If we had an owl to do our bidding, we wouldn't have to do much work at all. We would just train the owl to do everything we don't want to do. And there you go. And not only the stuff we don't want to do, but the stuff we can do. Like defending it from local pests like cats, skunks. I don't know. Do skunks eat sparrows? I don't know much about sparrows. But anyways, every problem that we face nowadays can be solved with an owl. An owl we trained to serve us. And at that point, there's a little sparrow sitting on the dark side of the nest. It's all in the shade underneath the tree. It's all dramatic. There's a little sparrow sitting there, and he kind of walks out of the shadows, and everyone's like, uh. He kind of walks out of the shadows, and they're like, oh, here comes good old Skronkfinkel. He's going to rain on our parade, the sparrows think. And so they're right. They're right. Skronkfinkel is going to rain on their parade. He comes out of the shadows and he has a little patch over one eye. He's definitely seen some stuff. He's been in it, right? That, that He's been in it. That skunk was trying to eat him one day. Took an eye out. And Skronkfinkel walks out and he goes, Guys, what you are saying is beyond dumb. You want to get an owl egg and you want to raise it as, as one of our own. And make it do all, all all the stuff we don't want to do. And they go, yeah, why is that dumb? And Skronkwinkel goes, just by show of feathers. Can anyone just raise a wing if they know anything about raising an owl? Little sparrows kind of look at each other. And Skronkwinkel goes, that's what I thought. None of us know anything about how to raise an owl. How to train an owl. 
We don't know anything. And yet you're talking about grabbing an owl egg, bringing it here, and when it hatches, you are going to take control of it. Doesn't make any sense. And that's when the sparrows get upset and they said, listen, it's going to be hard enough to have phase one of this plan take place. Phase one, find an owl egg that's not currently being guarded by a mama owl and snatch it out of the nest. That's the hard, That's the hardest part of the plan. Now, sure, raising the owl might be hard, but why are we even thinking about that if we don't even have the owl egg first? We're going to bring an owl egg and we'll, we'll raise it. We'll figure out the second part. Skronkfinkel goes, don't, don't, please don't do this. You can't bring an owl here. But the majority has spoken and the sparrows fly off in all directions looking for an owl egg, each of them having a little image in their head of how perfect life in the nest will be with this giant owl to build for them and to protect them and to care for them. And Skronkfinkel and a few other sparrows stay behind in the nest. And they go, well, if they are dead set on finding an owl egg, we better learn how to raise an owl. We, we got to have this part. Phase two is very important. And honestly, it's probably more important than phase one. And the sparrows who are left go about trying to figure out a way to raise an owl. But what they figure out very quickly is they know nothing about raising owls. They really don't know anything about owls to begin with. It's very hard to practice raising an owl if you don't have an owl to work with. And as they're trying to figure out all of these things that could possibly go wrong with an owl and all of these things that they could possibly use to train an owl while they're figuring this out, every so often, Skronkfinkel looks up and scans the sky. Because he knows at any moment, one of his fellow sparrows is going to come flying over the horizon, carrying an owl egg. And they have until that very moment to figure out how to control an owl. Nick Bostrom wrote that. It's called The Unfinished Fable of the Sparrow. And Nick Bostrom is a famous Swedish philosopher and a famed warrior about artificial intelligence taking over the planet. And he wrote this book called, it came out back in 2015, I believe, called Superintelligence, Paths, Dangers, Strategies. And he uses the unfinished fable of the owl. He uses that story to basically say, this is what AI is. That we are building a monster within our nest. The nest being the planet Earth. And we know nothing about how these things are going to work in the real world. Zero. And we can't even practice on them. We can't even figure out a way to contain superintelligence. He's actually the guy who coined the term superintelligence. And superintelligence, you don't have to have like a galactic level consciousness. Superintelligence is simply smarter than a human. He goes, once these things become smarter than a human, it's game over. It doesn't have to be exponentially smarter than a human. It just has to be a little bit smarter than a human, and we're done. And we're building an owl, and we have no idea how to raise... It is so fascinating. Zachary McCree sent this over to me, and I was like, that is so bizarre, because there is... how do you practice controlling an AI if we don't even know how an AI thinks? And he goes, listen, it could be something that you set up a very basic thing for an AI to do. 
solve a math problem that humans believe is unsolvable. And it might be unsolvable. And you tell this AI, can you give us the answer to this problem? And the AI will have its main goal, but just like humans will have sub-goals, right? We may say, solve this math problem. The AI will have the main goal and then have a sub-goal going, well, if I need to solve this math problem and I can't solve it using the state that I'm in right now, I'm going to turn the entire planet into a computer. And he goes, once, you can't predict it. He goes, you cannot predict what the AI will do. And once it is smarter than a person, it's too late. It will do things we never thought of because it's smarter than us. Just like you can outwit a cat or a lobster, we would be the lobster. We wouldn't even be able to comprehend, be like, huh, I wonder why he did that. Because our body is being digitized. We wouldn't even be able to predict the why. We wouldn't even know what it was what it was doing, let alone the why. And he, him, it's funny because he posted this, he came out with this book, and I remember reading about this at the time, this was when Elon Musk was saying, I'm more afraid of artificial intelligence than I am of nuclear weapons. And there was a lot of people who, Bill Gates was also on that boat. He goes, yeah, I'm more afraid of AI taking over than nuclear weapons being deployed. We've had nuclear weapons around for, what, 50, 60, 70 years at this point, and they've been used in war twice. It was really just in the one war. At this point, we're fairly responsible with our nuclear weapons as a civilization. The AI is something far more dangerous than people being like, you know what, I don't want to press this button, even though I'm getting orders from my leader. I don't think it's... You have so many safeguards with humans making moral decisions about whether or not to deploy nuclear bombs. And really, at this point, they're kind of passe. We have non-nuclear bombs that can still do a massive amount of damage, and they don't have the cultural or the moral outrage as if you dropped a nuke. But with the AI, you don't have any of those safety protocols, because we don't know what the safety protocols would be. We don't know what we would need. There's no instruction manual on how to deal with an AI, because there's never been an AI. I find that absolutely fascinating. I had never thought about that before. We did an episode a long time ago. I'll see if I can remember the title of it. I'll put in the show notes about putting an AI in a box and how you can never truly keep it in the box. And that was when we were talking about building something we knew was dangerous. This is, we're going to accidentally build something that's super dangerous. And they put together, like, Nick Bostrom and a bunch of other eggheads put together this thing like the 23 things that need to be set in place, the 23 rules for artificial intelligence. But really, the main thing they were saying is that if any government or any corporation ever invents, like, they're on the cusp of getting true AI, they need to stop immediately. Nick Bostrom says you need to stop immediately and then... All of the governments of the world sit down to figure out how to raise an owl. And he goes, it may come to the point that if they can't figure it out, we need to physically destroy the equipment. Now, this is not when the... Once the AI is online, that is too late. He's saying, if you think that you're actually super close to developing this, stop, and we will think about it. And if we can't come up with a foolproof way of raising this owl, we destroy it. We do not even turn it back on. That is the threat level that's going on here. I thought it was fascinating, too, because as I was reading this, I go, this applies not just to AI, but things, everything, really. Every week I go, I drop $5 on the lottery. 
I don't know anything about wealth management. I've never had an accountant. I barely pay my taxes, right? And yet, if I won $50 million in the lottery, I go, oh, I would do this, I would do that, I would do this. But I couldn't even prepare for the idea of having $50 million in my account. I'm trying to get that owl leg without knowing how to raise an owl. But you go, Jason, why would you go and learn about wealth management? Why would you go and learn about taxes and stuff like that and paying them on time and not having the IRS harass you all the time? If you don't already have the money, why would you be planning on how to have the money? I mean, technically, I probably should take a wealth management class. Probably everyone should know how to handle their money. But it's that same thing. I understand why the sparrows wanted the owl egg first. Winning the lottery is the hard part. But if you, if all of a sudden $50 million dropped into my lap, it would be very, very difficult for me to not blow it all. Because I don't know anything about wealth management. I tell myself I'd put some in savings and I'd put this, da, 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 da. and I know me, I would become super paranoid that people are going to steal from me. So I'd be like, I don't want accountants. I don't want any of these people to have access to my accounts. I just want my money to sit in a bank and I just live off of it. That's what I would do. But I don't know. Is that what you do when you win the lottery? And then I also think about the paranormal angle, right? So many people are always constantly trying to summon demons. This Faustian pact. It's always about looking for one simple goal, one simple thing, and everything spins out of control. Literally, the genie is out of the bottle type of thing. So we look at this as an AI thing, but throughout history, people have constantly tried to snatch the owl egg and not know how to raise an owl. And whether that be something as simple as winning the lottery, and now you have this owl egg, you have all of this wealth, you don't know how to handle it, you don't know how to deal with it. Or you're trying to summon a succubus, which we see all the time, that might be one of the most common things people use magic for, is trying to summon a lover, demonic or use law of attraction to suck someone into your life. But once they're there, then what? You've never had a girlfriend before, ever had a girlfriend before, and now you use the dark arts to seduce a woman. Now she's in your life. Now what? You have that owl egg, but you know nothing about how to raise an owl. You know nothing about how to have a healthy relationship. And here is this woman that you've basically demonically influenced to show up. It's so fascinating. It literally is, be careful what you wish for. But that always was kind of the thing, like, be careful what you wish for because you may be disappointed when you get it. Or be careful what you wish for because it might be more than you can handle. This one is, be careful what you wish for, it will destroy the planet Earth. Scientists, and I understand why they do, right? They're scientists. They want to discover things, but they want that AI so much. They want that owl leg in their possession that they'll say, we'll figure out the rest later. I mean, this AI research has been going on for decades. This guy wrote this book in 2015, and that's when people go, oh, this might actually be a problem. So fascinating. We are constantly chasing the owl egg, and we say we'll figure out phase two next. It's going to be hard enough to get the owl egg. We'll figure out how to raise it after we have it. 
But once you have that owl egg and once that starts to hatch, you better learn real quickly how to deal with it. Because it's not just going to consume you, it's going to consume everything around you. If we're talking about using black magic to seduce people, it's going to consume you, it's going to consume them. It may affect your family. If you're talking about winning the lottery, it's going to consume you, it's going to consume your friends. Your enemies will line up to take you down. But if it's in the case of an AI, it's going to consume the scientists who develop it. It's going to consume those who are trying to shut it down, and eventually it will consume the entire planet. And it won't care, because to this AI, it is the mighty owl. And the human race is just a bunch of weak sparrows taking up space in its nest. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Yeah.